We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 401 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Friday, September 16th, 2022. Did you find the Thursday night football game on Amazon Prime Video okay? Hopefully you did. Hopefully you didn't have any issues finding the game. Hopefully watching the game wasn't too much trouble. If in fact you cared about the game, uh, Kansas City Chiefs 27 Los Angeles Chargers 24. I think that the funniest thing about the broadcast is how many commercials there were for Amazon Prime. I mean, if you were watching the game, in theory, you already had Amazon Prime. So why the need for commercials during the game for Amazon Prime? I'm not quite sure, although that was kind of funny. Uh, And while, yes, the selling point of the game clearly was the quarterback matchup, Patrick Mahomes versus Justin Herbert from our perspective as Commanders fans. How about who came in for the injured Justin Herbert? He suffered an injury to his ribs. Former Redskins quarterback Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel still going strong as like the ultimate backup quarterback. A quarterback who has made tens of millions of dollars over a decade plus but has barely played. The Skins signed Chase Daniel as an undrafted free agent out of Missouri in 2009. He remains in the NFL. This is his age 36 season. He in his NFL career has started a mere five regular season games, and yet he in his NFL career is believed to have made at least 30 plus million dollars, if not 40 plus million dollars, depending on what you go by. Uh, God bless Chase Daniel. Hello and welcome to a Football Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast as we get set for the Commanders at the Detroit Lions this Sunday afternoon at 1. By the way, did you see the news on Thursday that the Commanders this past Sunday for the regular season opening 28-22 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field reportedly set a franchise game day record for merchandise sales. The rebrand yielded all kinds of merch sales. Uh, The team this past Sunday opened a new 6,200 square foot store 
at FedEx Field. Now, as you also may have heard, we last Sunday had Muggate uh, as a team truck was selling coffee mugs with the Commander's W logo in front of the outline of the state of Washington, as opposed to an outline of the city of Washington, D.C. Because, you know, there's a difference between the state of Washington and the city of Washington, D.C. And the mugs were sold by the official team truck right outside of the team shop. Hey, Washington, D.C., the state of Washington, you say potato, I say potato, all right? I mean, what do you want? Stop being so demanding. Uh, But hey, you know what? Seriously, good for the commanders for selling some merch this past Sunday. As for what's going to happen this Sunday, uh, well, how'd you like our defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, at his post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon? Jack JDR making headlines and raising eyebrows with what he said about linebacker Jamin Davis. Jack called out Jamin for not playing well in the win over the Jags. Now, you know, Jack wasn't mean in what he said, and he wasn't really wrong in what he said, but it's that he said what he said that stands out as much as anything. Uh, This is the same Jack Del Rio who goes out of his way to say next to nothing at his press conferences. That same Jack Del Rio, he on Thursday afternoon sent a very clear message to Jamin Davis. Uh, Next segment, I'll go in-depth on this. You'll hear exactly what Jack said uh, in its full context, and you'll hear Jamin's response. Uh, I'll then talk commander's offense off comments from offensive coordinator Scott Turner at his post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon, including good stuff from Scott on the performance of his passing game in the win over the Jags. I have the latest for you on injuries for commanders at the Lions. I'll welcome on Matt Derry, the host of the Locked on Lions podcast, to tell us all that we need to know about the Lions in preparation for this game. Uh, You'll also hear some interesting comments from Matt on Commander's General Manager and former Lions GM Martin Mayhew. And then it will be time for Rhyming Keys. Uh, My keys to a Commander's win at the Lions and in rhyming fashion. Uh, And I'll give you my prediction for the game. Also on the show, Goldilocks, my previews and picks for Maryland, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. Uh, No game for Navy this week. Maryland home to SMU Saturday night at 7.30. Virginia Tech home to Wofford and FCS school Saturday at 11 a.m. Virginia home to Old Dominion Saturday afternoon at 2. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thank you to everyone for the very nice tweets and emails regarding this podcast reaching episode 400, 400, uh, with Thursday's show. Much appreciated. I got this email from Yano. Your Rogers Hornsby, Ted Williams, George Brett, hitting 400 as the baseball season heads to the finish line. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you're going to hit 414 by the time the MLB regular season ends on October 5th. A record, brother. Keep on getting those base knocks. Great show. And might I say, you know the culture is pretty damn good. Yes, thank you, Yano. As our former Redskins team president, Bruce Allen, a.k.a. Brucifer, would say, the culture of the Al Galdi podcast is damn good. You know, the culture is actually damn good. Absolutely, Brucey. Thank you. Uh, I have received a good bit of feedback on having talked James Madison football, the mighty Dukes, 
in recent weeks. Uh, James Madison, in making the transition from the FCS to the FBS, is off to a 2-0 and start. JMU quarterback Todd Santeo through week two was number nine in the FBS in ESPN's total QBR at 87.3. No game for JMU this weekend, but next up for JMU is its Sunbelt Conference opener at Appalachian State on Saturday afternoon, September 24th at 3.30 Big game for the Dukes. The Mountaineers of App State this past Saturday, a 17-14 win at then number six, Texas A&M. This office season opening 63-61 home loss to North Carolina on September 3rd. Email from Robert Delaney, who is a big Liberty fan. Uh, I have heard from Robert before. Writes Robert, talking about JMU, really? Excited about wins over Middle Tennessee and Norfolk State? Liberty did that in 2019 and 2021. Liberty is the only Virginia team to have been in a bowl game the last three years, to have won a bowl game the last three years, and to have won at a Sunbelt team in 2022. September 17th, Commonwealth Game of the Day, Liberty at number 19, Wake Forest. Excited to see what Hugh Freeze will come up with I assume that you haven't noticed any Liberty game, but redshirt freshman Kaden Salter is looking like Malik Willis. Both wore number seven. Salter's arm is currently not as strong as Malik's. Uh, thank you for the email, Robert. Uh, yeah, big game for your Flames on Saturday. Uh, Wake, you know, has a pretty good quarterback of its own in Sam Hartman. He just came back from a blood clot. He lit up Vanderbilt in a 45-25 Wake win at Vandy last Saturday. Uh, well, it is true that if you look at ESPN's College Football Power Index entering week three, here are the following rankings of Virginia FBS teams. Liberty, number 69. Virginia Tech, number 73. James Madison, number 75. Virginia, number 83. Old Dominion, number 101. So per ESPN's College Football Power Index, Liberty is the number one team in the state of Virginia. That is true. The Flames reign atop the Commonwealth. Uh, Email from Tom Mirabella. Thank you so much for starting to talk about JMU. There are a ton of alums in the DMV, and I know a lot of us listen to the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, Well, thank you, Tom. No problem. Uh, Email from Stephen Robertson. Maybe you should substitute ODU for either Virginia or Virginia Tech in Goldilocks. Keep up the great work. Uh, Thank you, Steve. I tell you what, if ODU on Saturday afternoon wins at Virginia of having defeated Virginia Tech on September 2nd, I may have to consider doing exactly as uh, Stephen recommended. Uh, Email from Jeffrey Southworth. On the Commanders, writes Jeffrey, after giving myself a few days to process our win over Jacksonville, I can't help but feel genuinely optimistic about things. I tend to be on the optimistic side of things, but I feel I may be in the minority after reading, listening, and discussing the game with fans alike. I don't know how you can leave that game and not feel good about things and not feel good about Carson Wentz. Is Wentz a roller coaster ride? Sure. But roller coasters are fun. Does he make one bad mistake for every three good plays? It feels like it. But with all that said, he made two throws that we haven't seen be made around here in a really long time. For the first time in a long time, I feel that at minimum, we might be able to actually score points and dare I say, score fast. After years of poor offense, we finally have a guy who is flawed, 
but who at minimum gives us some genuine upside. My biggest takeaway from our win over Jacksonville is that our team may finally have an identity. It is clear that we want to throw and throw often. Carson is not without his flaws and certainly will need to limit boneheaded mistakes if we are to truly try and do something special here. But all things considered, he has already provided us with more excitement than we've enjoyed in recent years. So to that, I say, Carson, grip it and rip it. Send the rock deep. Thank you for the email, Jeffrey. I love the optimism. And what you wrote about was something that I talked about a good bit on Thursday's show, episode 400. Are the 2022 Commanders a high-powered pass-first team, i.e. a truly modern NFL team? Do we finally, mercifully, have an NFL team that is at the forefront of the high-octane passing nature of today's NFL? It's too early to say yes with certainty, but we in that win over the Jags uh, did see multiple signs that the answer could be yes. Well, the answer to whether now is the time to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area is yes. Uh, There was a segment on the Today Show on NBC on Thursday morning on the rise in mortgage rates and what that is meaning for real estate markets. One of the things that's happening is that the rates are sidelining buyers, meaning less buyers, meaning higher housing inventory, meaning lower housing prices. Now is the time to buy because the rise in mortgage rates can be offset big time by the decrease in prices. And so that's why you got to get with Kellen Hunt, because the time to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area actually is now. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. I read to you from D.C. Urban Turf, quote, inventory has bottomed out in the region with big increases in the availability of both single-family detached homes and townhomes in many local markets, end quote. Now is the time to buy, especially with rents going up. And when it comes to getting a deal done to buy the Washington, D.C. area home that you want, ain't nobody better than Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell.com. Dot com Kel, K-E-L-L, book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market. He is here for you to listen to what you want, no matter your situation in life. Whether you are a first-time buyer looking for guidance, or you have a young family looking for a bigger home, or you're ready to retire and or are looking to downsize, Kellen Hunt can help you. And Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yeah, you the buyer, get a piece of the action. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. Book your introductory call with Kellen Hunt at CloseItWithKell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Do not forget to give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And if you are really feeling generous, if you're really feeling nice, uh, please write a brief review of the podcast saying 
that you like it, uh, you can do that on Apple Podcasts. The 1-0 Commanders are at the 0-1 Detroit Lions this Sunday afternoon at 1. Next segment, I'll talk Commanders offense off comments from offensive coordinator Scott Turner at his post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon. This segment, I'm going to talk Commanders defense off comments from defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio at his post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon. Uh, Four Commanders players were on Thursday's injury report. Safety Cameron Curl on Thursday was listed as having been a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. Uh, Curl for the 28-22 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon. Inactive due to a right thumb injury that he suffered in the commander's second preseason game, the 24-14 loss at the Kansas City Chiefs on August 20th. Uh, Interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen on Thursday was listed as having been a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. He and the win over the Jags suffered a groin injury late in the fourth quarter. Linebacker Cole Holcomb was new to the injury report on Thursday. He was not listed on the injury report on Wednesday, but he was listed on the injury report on Thursday. Uh, Cole was listed as having been a limited participant in practice on Thursday due to a quadriceps issue, and linebacker Jamin Davis was listed as having been a full participant in practice on Thursday of having been a limited participant in practice on Wednesday due to a non-injury reason, a personal reason. Now, speaking of Jamin Davis, uh, so he and the win over the Jags had at best a mixed game. Uh, He played on 93% of the commander's defensive snaps. His overall grade for pro football focus for the game was 45.9. That's not good. PFF grades are on a scale of of 0 to 100. And Jamin in the game had a hard time in pass coverage. Uh, first quarter, second and 12 for the Jags at the Commanders 15. Jamin Davis got beat badly in pass coverage by running back Travis Etienne, but quarterback Trevor Lawrence was way off on his throw. Third quarter, Jamin Davis got beat by receiver Christian Kirk on a Trevor Lawrence first and 10 13-yard shotgun completion to Kirk. Fourth quarter, Jamin Davis got beat by Christian Kirk on a Trevor Lawrence second and 22, 17-yard shotgun completion to Kirk. Head coach Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference regarding Jamin revealed that, quote, there was a couple mistakes he made that I know Jack wasn't happy about, end quote. Uh, Ron, during the postgame press conference, did concede that the commanders can't let Jamin, quote, get ISOed on slot receivers, End quote. Certainly, Jamin in the win over the Jags was not great in pass coverage, but him having to cover Christian Kirk on multiple occasions and struggling on multiple occasions, I thought was a failure in scheme more so than a failure by Jamin. And so that brought us to Thursday afternoon's post-practice press conference for Jack Del Rio. Now, as you probably know, (laughs) Jack at his press conferences usually says next to nothing. And I know the dust-up comments from this past June, but that's a separate ordeal. From a football standpoint, Jack at his press conferences usually says next to nothing. He purposely gives these very vague, generic, bland answers. He doesn't want to reveal anything in terms of game plan, scheme, or strategy. I don't have a problem with this. I do, though, find humor in this. Consider this exchange between Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post and Jack Del Rio on Thursday afternoon. 
As a coordinator, you call blitzes at, at one of the higher rates in the league. I wonder what do you like about those, and is there a you know specific reason why? Every week's different week, different challenges, you know, and specific plans are made for that specific opponent. And um, so we're going to do everything we can to put our guys in position to be successful and help our team win. Okay, so right there, a classic Jack Del Rio post-practice press conference answer. Vague, generic, bland. He, with that answer, essentially said nothing. And so here was an exchange later in Jack's press conference with Commander's Insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times. Following up on Sam's question about blitzes, how much of, I know you said it was the game plan, but how much of that is what you guys have personnel to that, you know, the safeties you have could get after the quarterback if you need it and the, the type of personnel that you guys have? Um, I appreciate the attempted uh, follow-up. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, you're just not, not going to spend a lot of time talking scheme. You know, I sure. mean, uh, um, you know, we we had a plan for the Jags and you know, we'll put together a plan for the Lions. And um, I, I don't think any two plans, you know, end up being exactly the same. So, but we're getting ready. We, we, we recognize the challenges. These guys, you know, put up a lot of points. Um, really, the last two times they've been in their building, they've, they've rolled uh, offensively. Uh, last year, last game against the Packers and, and to open up against the Eagles. So both good units they've went against. So they, they, they're, they're doing some good things. Uh, they present some challenges, and we're looking forward to uh, – to, to meeting those challenges. <laughs> All right. Hey, Jack Del Rio himself on Thursday afternoon kind of had a sense of humor about how he answers questions at his post-practice press conferences. And so that's why what Jack on Thursday afternoon said about Jamin Davis stood out so much. This was something. How about this exchange between Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic and Jack Del Rio? on Jamin Davis. Uh, Dak, just curious, your, your thoughts on Jamin Davis on, on the first game, uh, particularly in uh, pass coverage. Uh, Jamin was just okay in the game. I think he he, he, he practiced better throughout the offseason. Um, uh, and it was just a so-so performance. I think he'll do better as the year goes on. Um, we saw, obviously, at some point he's matched up against receivers, and probably for any linebacker, that's not always an easy challenge. But when, you're, when that happens, is that just... The good scheming on their part. Just you, you, you do. You're cool with a linebacker there, but he just maybe didn't make a play. How, how does that happen? Where, where, where that kind of schemes yeah, kind up of, that way? Kind of a combination. I mean, you know, um, wouldn't want to live, you know, in that look. Um, and uh, they, they got they got to it on a time or two. And um, and when we do get to it, we expect them to hold up. He he didn't hold up very well in, in that situation. Um, gave up some big completions. So. Um, you know, we need him to be better, and we need to do a little bit better job making sure we keep him out of some of those situations. Wow. So Jack Del Rio about the performance of Jamin Davis in the win over the Jags. Quote, Jamin was just okay in the game. I think he practiced better throughout the offseason. It was just a so-so performance. I think he'll do better as the year goes on. End quote. So Jack Del Rio, the same Jack Del Rio, who routinely says basically nothing in his answers during post-practice press conferences, that Jack Del Rio, not shy about providing some pretty brutal honesty about the performance of Jamin Davis 
in the win over the Jags. Now, Jack wasn't nasty in what he said, and he did say that he believes that Jamin will, quote, do better as the year goes on, end quote, but that certainly stood out. Jack saying what he said about Jamin Davis, and Jack was not done. We later in Jack's press conference on Thursday afternoon had the following exchange between Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com and Jack, and then another exchange between Matthew Paris and Jack. Here you go. Can I follow up on Jamin Davis real quick? Is, is there anything you'd like to, to see more of? No, nah, I don't. I, I, I said plenty. I gave you guys plenty there. I mean, he's got to play better. He didn't play very well last week. I know he expects to play better, so... Um, yeah, I mean, he'll be challenged to play better. Sounds like you've got confidence of this offseason. You saw a number of him. I, I saw a lot of good things this offseason, and, and kind of surprised me that he didn't play better in the opener. Jack, respectfully, you don't really ever call out players with us in terms of it. Right. Why, I guess, with, did you feel like you reached a point where like, he kind of needs this public No, no, no. You guys can make it, whatever you want to make it. I said what I had to say. Um, I'm trying to be honest. Um, I'm not burying the guy. I'm being fair. I think he's worked really hard. I think he prepared to play better than he did in the opener. We expect him to play better going forward. <laughs> Gee, so even more from Jack Del Rio on Jamin Davis. Quote, he's got to play better. He didn't play very well last week. I know he expects to play better. He'll be challenged to play better. And quote, and what also stood out in that cut that I just played for you was Jack saying to the reporters, quote, you guys can make it whatever you want to make it, end quote. Uh, that to me was the green light from Jack to the reporters saying, yeah, I said what I said. Now print what I said and let's see what happens. I mean, this very clearly, this crystal clearly was Jack sending a message to Jamin Davis. Jack wanted what he said to be said so that it gets back to Jamin and hopefully motivates Jamin. Not the first time, by the way, that Jack has been upfront about Jamin and has potentially tried to motivate him through the media. Uh, Jack, this past May, in an in-house conversation with Julie Donaldson, the team's senior vice president of media and content, said of Jamin Davis's disappointing 2021 rookie season, quote, Jamin had a rough rookie year, wasn't a great rookie year, end quote. And of course, Jamin's rookie year was not a great rookie year. Uh, Jamin, in the 2021 regular season, played in 16 of Washington's 17 games, but he made very few true impact plays. His overall grade for pro football focus for the 2021 regular season was a mere 46.8. And remember, he late in the season took a backseat to David Mayo. Uh, week 17, the loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at FedEx Field. Jamin in that game played on just 21% of Washington's defensive snaps. David Mayo in that game played on 66% of Washington's defensive snaps. Uh, now, Jamin Davis on Thursday afternoon did speak to reporters off what Jack Del Rio said. Here was some of Jamin with reporters. Jack talked to us this year. He expects more of you. What was that conversation? I mean, like I said before, just making more plays, going out there, trying to be more consistent, trying to fly around, play a lot faster. One of the things he said is that throughout the preseason, he felt like he looked really good and just was so, so can play better. Where do you feel like you can play I mean, doing the things I've been doing, like like I said, all offseason, just trying to be more consistent, trying to be more of a playmaker, trying to be a lot faster. So, I mean, I know what I should have did and what I shouldn't have been doing. So, I mean, we just move on from there. 
James, does it get a little bit frustrating because you know you want you want to be the best at, at your position, but yet you you hear things like that? I mean, it's not frustrating at all. I mean, you just you go out there, you move on, you keep making plays because that was one of the things they used to hit me last year was trying to sit and dwell on the past. But going forward, I mean, I know who I am as a player, so just go make plays. All right, so I thought that Jamin Davis handled things well there. I mean, like I said earlier, it's not like Jack Del Rio trashed Jamin Davis, but Jack clearly called out Jamin. Uh, Jack clearly put Jamin on notice. It'll be interesting to hear what Ron Rivera has to say about this in his post-practice press conference on Friday. Uh, Ron did not do a post-practice press conference on Thursday. He, for week one, did not do a post-practice press conference for Thursday, and he last season did not do post-practice press conferences on Thursdays. Here's the deal with Jamin Davis, okay? He does need to play better. Washington took him with the number 19 pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, and he so far has been a bust, okay? But what's also true is that Jamin Davis needs to be used better. He last season was miscast as a Mike linebacker. He, in week one of this season, inexplicably was isolated on Kristen Kirk multiple times. The commander's head coach, Ron Rivera, is a former NFL linebacker. The commander's defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, is a former NFL linebacker. Uh, The commander's linebacker's coach, Steve Russ, is a former NFL linebacker. Why exactly has Jamin Davis been misused as he has? Look, maybe Jamin just isn't a good NFL player, you know? Maybe Washington blew it in spending its 2021 first-round pick on Jamin Davis. But you're not being fair if you don't acknowledge that this guy hasn't exactly been utilized in the best possible ways. We're only one regular season game into Jamin Davis's second NFL season. So there is still time for him to become the player who he was drafted to be. But clearly, things aren't going well. I mean, that Jack Del Rio, who, again, basically never says anything notable in his press conferences, made it a point to call out Jamin on Thursday afternoon after just one game in the 2022 regular season, says a lot. And all that you can hope for is that Jamin responds to being called out in a positive way. But understand, this is a shared blame. Yes, Jamin Davis needs to play better, but he also needs to be used better. Well, if you want to look better and be healthier, but have a hard time with those things, you're not alone. And Dr. Matthew Mintz can help you. Dr. Matthew Mintz is a board-certified internal medicine physician and weight loss expert in Bethesda, Maryland. Dr. Mintz understands your frustration because he himself has struggled with being overweight. You see, there's a reason that most weight loss programs fail, and that's because the human body has evolved over time to prevent you from losing weight. And while these mechanisms were protective hundreds of years ago, today, these mechanisms just make weight loss extremely difficult. The solution is medical weight loss. By using prescription medications that fight the factors that prevent weight loss, Dr. Matthew Mintz will help you achieve your weight loss goals. And not only will you lose the weight, but you'll keep the weight off. You see, Dr. Mintz does not use powders, shakes, or other special foods that you need to purchase. Instead, he uses prescription medications and personalized lifestyle changes, and he'll give you the support 
that you need to succeed. Dr. Matthew Mintz's medical weight loss program includes an initial in-person comprehensive evaluation, blood work, and a customized weight loss plan, in-person or virtual follow-up visits to keep you on track, a full year of phone calls and emails to answer questions or troubleshoot problems, and one year of prescription medications for weight loss. The good news is that many, if not all of these things, will be covered by or reimbursable through your insurance. Dr. Matthew Mintz, he has been in practice for over 25 years. He serves as clinical faculty at the George Washington University School of Medicine, and he is consistently ranked as a top doctor by Washingtonian Magazine. He is a huge Commanders fan and a loyal listener of the Al Galdi podcast. If you are ready to lose your excess weight the right way, find out more about Dr. Matthew Mintz's medical weight loss program by calling 855-646-8963. That's 855-646-8963. And make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit drmintz.com. That's D-R-Mintz, M-I-N-T-Z, dot com. And click on medical weight loss. That's 855-646-8963 or drmintz.com. And make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you. More now on the 1-0 Commanders in preparation for their game at the 0-1 Detroit Lions this Sunday afternoon at 1. Let us talk Commanders offense. Uh, Guard Wes Schweitzer on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day. Uh, He is the only player on the Commanders 53-man roster who has not practiced at all so far this week. So it's certainly feeling like Schweitzer will be out for Sunday at the Lions. Uh, Schweitzer in the 28-22 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field last Sunday afternoon was the commander starting right guard over Trey Turner, but Schweitzer dealt with a left hamstring injury during the game. And so Turner ended up playing on 68% of the commander's offensive snaps and Schweitzer ended up playing on just a 26% of the commander's offensive snaps. Uh, Trey Turner on Thursday was a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day due to a quadriceps issue that kept him from practicing for weeks prior to the start of the regular season. Uh, The only other commander's offensive player on the injury report has been tight end Cole Turner. Uh, He on Thursday was listed as having been a full participant in practice for a second straight day. Uh, Turner for the win over the Jags was inactive due to a hamstring ailment, but him not being active this past Sunday seemed to be more about conditioning and or readiness as opposed to the injury still being an issue. So it looks like we'll see the regular season debut of Cole Turner this Sunday at the Lions. So the Commanders took Cole Turner in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft at Nevada. Turner for his 2021 senior season tied for second in the FBS in touchdown receptions by a tight end to 10. And Turner in 20 games over his final two collegiate seasons, 111 receptions, including 19 touchdown receptions. Uh, By the way, Lions defensive lineman Michael Brockers on Thursday, a limited participant in practice due to a knee issue. He on Wednesday did not practice. Are we this Sunday afternoon at the Lions going to see a second consecutive impressive offensive game for the Commanders? Uh, Now, the Commanders offense in the win over the Jags was far from perfect, but the offense overall was good. 28 points, 7 of 10 
on third downs, 2-2 two two in the red zone, 5.6 yards per play. All of those numbers were solid, if not good. Commander's offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, he on Thursday afternoon did a post-practice press conference. This is Scott's third season as Washington offensive coordinator. Here was Scott on if in watching the tape of the Commander's win over the Jags, he felt that what he saw was what he has been wanting his offense to look like all along. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't. I never. I haven't thought about that. Um, you know, now you say that, maybe that's the case. Uh, I was happy with the way our guys played. I mean, I get, I'll say that uh, we got a long way to go. I think we can really be a lot better, even than what we were. We left some stuff out there. Um, you know, in you know, everybody, everybody had their share in that. But uh, like I said, finishing, starting fast, and finishing strong you know that was outstanding now the middle of it you know we got we can't turn the ball over three times there was a stat i saw this organization this is the first time in 34 games that they've had one with three straight turn three or more turnovers so you're not going to win a lot of games doing that um, now it's a testament to our guys that we were able to make enough plays to do that and, and to the defense for you know for stopping them and not you know um you know not letting them score more than whatever scored 22 um so but we got to clean that part of it up or, you know, it doesn't matter how many, you know, cool creative plays or good things that we do. It's not going to be a happy ending. Yeah, the commander's three turnovers last Sunday afternoon clearly were too many. Uh, receiver Curtis Samuel lost fumble on a rushing attempt late in the second quarter. Quarterback Carson Wentz, two fourth quarter interceptions. But of course, Carson also had four touchdown passes, including two in the fourth quarter after his two fourth quarter interceptions. Uh, also with Carson in the win over the Jags, was him for the most part taking what the defense gave him. Uh, Carson largely played a smart game. Uh, yes, the two fourth quarter interceptions, and yes, he was inaccurate on some throws, but also yes, he for the most part made good decisions. He certainly let his playmakers make plays. Uh, Carson Threw for 313 yards, but per sport radar, only 143 of his 313 passing yards were completed air yards. 170 of his 313 passing yards were yak. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on Carson Wentz in the win over the Jags, taking a lot of underneath stuff as opposed to playing hero ball. I thought he was great. I thought he was outstanding. You know, um, I thought, you know, for the most part, you know, he made the right decision um, on, on the plays. I think obviously there were some times that it didn't it didn't work out. But, um, you know, I thought he had an outstanding first game. You know, anytime you throw four touchdown passes, um, it's a pretty good deal. Uh, and then I th- But I think he'll even keep getting more comfortable and keep getting better. Something that really stood out with the commander's offense in the win over the Jags was the aggressive pass-first nature of the offense. Uh, The commanders in the game totaled 67 true offensive plays. If you take out the three Carson Wentz kneel downs, 45 of the 67 offensive plays were passing plays. 41 Carson Wentz pass attempts, plus one sack of Carson, plus three scrambles by Carson. 67.2% of the commander's true offensive plays were passing plays, and a good number of those passing plays were first down passing plays. Now, we have seen Scott Turner be aggressive in terms of early down passes previously, but this was Scott on Thursday afternoon on being so pass-happy on first downs in the win over the Jags. 
I mean, every game is going to come out differently. Uh, you know, if you look at Jacksonville um, and you look at the type of team there are and where he's from, I mean, his his coaching tree, you know, they're, they are dead set on stopping the run. So in that case, you should be able to make some plays in the passing game. You know what I mean? Uh, I think we could have run the ball better. I feel like we, we will run the ball better, even against a team that is that determined. Um, and, and I think we will as the, as the season goes on. Um, but you know, if you want to be a good offense, you got to do both. You know, there's going to be times that we run it more than we pass it. There's going to be times that we pass it more than we run it. Both the game, how it plays, and then also the defense, um, how they play, is going to uh, is going to dictate. You know, those types of things. Makes sense. Uh, I do really like the job that Scott Turner did last Sunday afternoon. Did you see, by the way, who was named the NFL Rookie of the Week? Uh, Commanders receiver Jahan Dotson. He won that award on Thursday. Uh, Dotson in the win over the Jags in, of course, his NFL regular season debut. Three receptions for 40 yards and two touchdowns on five targets and playing on 88% of the commander's offensive snap. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on what the next step for Jahan Dodson as an NFL receiver might be. I think it's not nothing necessarily like the next step for him, but you know, there's going to be games where, I mean, he had, he had three catches, you know, and two of more touchdowns. There's going to be games where he's going to, the ball's going to end up going to him more. Um, yeah, Curtis had eight catches, you know, their, the, their style of defense, they kind of stay back and make you take some underneath stuff and you got to pick and choose your, your down the field shots. That's why, you know, Curtis and AG, they had the most catches because, you know, that's the stuff that they were giving us and you're going to get yards after catch. And I think Carson did a nice job of taking that. So, I think, you know, you're going to see more production from Terry at times. You're going to see more production from Jahan. Um, you know, Logan was huge at the end on those third downs. I mean, those were as big a plays in the game that we had. And that's that's what this offense, you know, is supposed to look like. And what we're trying to build here is the ball gets spread around, you know, to different guys. Yeah, consider this. The commanders in the win over the Jags had five players each with at least 40 receiving yards. Among those players was running back Antonio Gibson. Uh, Gibson in the win over the Jags, very nice game. Played on 64% of the commander's offensive snaps. 14 carries for 58 yards, 4.14 yards per carry, and seven receptions for 72 yards on eight targets. Gibson had the most receiving yards on the team in the win over the Jags. Uh, the catchphrase regarding Antonio Gibson has been getting him out in space. Uh, we have heard that about a thousand times in recent weeks. Take a shot every time that you hear about getting Gibson out in space more. Scott Turner on Thursday afternoon on if getting Antonio Gibson out in space more shot is a function of that being more of an emphasis for this season or if this was always the hope for Gibson with Washington. Yeah, I think a little bit of both. You know, I think, uh, you know, Antonio, I mean, he is now and he had to be the guy that, you know, played running back and carried the load and, and was in that role. And, you know, the there's a mental and physical load that goes with that. So then to ask him to do all these other things, I mean, that's a lot, you know. So um, I think as he's matured as a player, you know, being in year three, uh, he's able he's able to carry more, uh, you know, mentally and physically. And um, and I think that's where you're seeing a little bit more of this stuff. And, and some of the stuff we've done with him before, um, you know, it just it just popped up in this game, you know, and it came up well for him, obviously getting 130 total yards. 
Yeah, a lot of good individual performances for the commander's offense in the win over the Jags. But we also in that game had an offensive lull for the commanders, right? Uh, The commanders in the game scored 28 points. The first 14 points came over the first 19 minutes of the game. The final 14 points came over the final 10 minutes of the game. Now, remember that Scott Turner this season is on the commander's sideline during a game as opposed to being in a booth. Uh, He has made the switch from the booth to the sideline. Uh, Here was Scott on Thursday afternoon on whether being on the sideline was helpful given that lull that the commander's offense experienced in the middle of the game. Yeah, I think so. I think just overall, in between the drives, the conversations were good. I had great conversations with Carson, um, the receivers, you know, Terry, um, you know, talking to the offensive line. You know, when we threw the, you know, when it was the second interception, it was two plays in a row, just being able to talk to the guys and be like, hey, you know, we know we can move the long score. You know, no one needs to panic, one play at a time. And uh, the guys responded. So um, the communication was was really good, and um, I, th- I felt, felt good about the way everything ha- was handled. And speaking of feeling good about how everything is handled, if you are someone who you care about has been wronged, no law firm will handle that situation better than Paulson and Nace. No law firm does a better job of fighting for victims than Paulson and Nace does. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Uh, Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. You see, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who caused clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. And this is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. Heck, take a case that was just concluded. Paulson and Nace in July won a case for which the United States government was paying nearly $1.8 million. Uh, This to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Uh, You may have heard about this. Paulson and Nace defeated the U.S. government. Uh, Again, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yet you're obligated to nothing. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace.
All right, 1-0 Commanders at the 0-1 Detroit Lions this Sunday afternoon at 1. Time now to get an insider's perspective on the Lions, and I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast, Matt Derry, the host of the Locked on Lions podcast. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Derry Speaks. That's D-E-R-Y Speaks. Hey, Matt, how are you? What's up, Al? Uh, always good to talk to you. Well, for the Lions in Week 1, a 38-35 home loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Lions entering the fourth quarter trailed 38-21, then won the fourth quarter 14 nothing. What'd you like? Uh, what didn't you like from the Lions in Week 1? Well, I mean, the, the, the fight was there. It was similar to a lot of what we saw last year. Team gave great effort. They play hard for Dan Campbell. They are beat. They do grind. They play hard. There's no, you know, quit in the team. As you mentioned, they were down 31-14 to a, you know, pretty good Eagles team. So I like that. Um, the offense put up 35 points. You know, normally at home you put up 35, you win. So uh, DeAndre Swift was fantastic. The running back is really coming on. Over 140 yards rushing. PFF had him graded the highest of any running back in the league this past week. And I like their run game a lot. And the offensive line played well, even without their right guard, Halapulavati Vaitai. Uh, what I didn't like is that the defense can't stop anybody still. Um, that's a problem. Uh, I knew going into the game, Al, that Aiden Hutchinson, a rookie, number one pick, number two overall, would not have the greatest of games because he's going up against Jalen Hurts and that whole RPO situation with all the, the quarterback runs. And, you know, I, I just had a feeling it would be a rough day for him, and he did not play well, but it's one game. He's going to have a good career. Uh, but the linebacking core, not named Malcolm Rodriguez, really struggled. The defensive backs had some issues with A.J. Brown. Um, but the defense was aggressive and attacking, but they just couldn't stop Hurts, and they couldn't get stops when they needed to. The Lions' defense last season was really bad. We saw what happened in Week 1. Is there a feeling that the defense will be better this season? Well, the defense has to be better. I mean, last year they were second to last in scoring. I mean, you know, Aaron Glenn gets a lot of hype. He's a, he's a great personality. He's well-liked in the room. Players love him. If you watched Hard Knocks, oh, Aaron Glenn speeches and Aaron Glenn this and Aaron Glenn that. But, you know, week one, here we are with the same old song, 38 points. Now, 31 of them were by the defense, uh, a golf to a pick six uh, with a miscommunication with the tight end TJ Hawkinson. So it's 31 from the defense, but that's still not good enough. You know, end of the game, third and one, a chance to get a stop, get off the field and get the ball back to maybe even tie or win the game. And Miles Sanders goes through the line and two bounces off two tacklers and goes 30 yards. I mean, those are the kind of plays we saw last year. So, you know, the D tackles are a problem. I think the edges are going to be fine. They've got some injuries there. They've got to get some guys back. But it's, it's time for this defense to get better. It can't get much worse than it did last year. This is year two for the Lions with Jared Goff as their starting quarterback. What is the long-term outlook for him as Lions quarterback? Like, is he expected to be the guy for a while, or is it more that as soon as the Lions can get someone better than Goff, uh, they're moving on from Goff? You know, I, I think that they like him a lot. I do. And I think that the plan is for Jared Goff to be the guy this year and next year, and they hope beyond. I mean, he signed for a few more years after this season, Al, his contract and his cap number come way down. So it's a, an opportunity that if he is if he's awful this year, that they could move away from him and not you know not get killed with the cap. So they can get out of their deal with him after this season with ease. 
But I don't think they're going to do that. I, I think they really like him. He's a captain. Uh, all they've talked about is how he's meshing with Ben Johnson, new offensive coordinator, and how much better things are going to be. And Ben Johnson's actually calling the plays now, which, you know, was a bit of a surprise to me. I still thought Dan Campbell was going to do it, but he's not. Cam, uh, uh, Johnson is. And they like Jared Goff. You watch the game out on Sunday and you go, my God, first quarter, what's he doing? Like bad throws, uh, the, the pick six, and then third or fourth quarter threw him. Just a great ball to DJ Chark for a touchdown. Made some good decisions on the run. Uh, got by a would-be Eagles linebacker tackler and made a first down. So there are signs sometimes you watch and you go, all right, that's a better, that's the Jared Goff from the Rams went to the Super Bowl. And then there's other times you watch and go, oh my gosh, this is why he's low-rated and not considered, you know, uh, you know an upper echelon guy and they got to go draft somebody. But the problem is, is that, I don't know. I mean, are they going to are they going to use one of their two first round picks to have this upcoming year on a quarterback? They never draft quarterbacks here. You know, they they they've drafted a couple late round guys in the last handful of years. They of course took Stafford many years ago, but this is not an organization that drafts quarterbacks and stashes them or even develops them. So I don't know. To be I'm kind of going the long way here, but I don't. I I think golf's the guy. You mentioned the success of running back DeAndre Swift in the loss to the Eagles in week one. Overall, how good is the Lions cast of offensive weapons? Well, it's much improved. Uh, Al, last year, Jared Goff had nobody to throw to. I mean, the wide receiving core was a total joke. And this year, they've upgraded. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown is back from a year ago, but they never expected a mid-round pick like he was last year to have the kind of year he had. He was fantastic. And he had a touchdown this past week. So he's, he looks good. The additions of Chark and Josh Reynolds now for a full season. And eventually, Jamison Williams, their other first-round pick, when he's healthy and comes back probably early November, they're going to have a nice group of weapons. And then you throw TJ Hawkinson in, who everybody thinks is an all-world tight end. I, I'm still a little skeptical. I'd like to see more from him. Um, but I think he can do it. And he's a, he's a good tight end, don't get me wrong. He'll get paid. But uh, the running back room is deep. Jamal Williams, good short yardage back, complimentary to DeAndre Swift. Uh, even Craig Reynolds and Justin Jackson, some of their third and fourth string backs are good. So they, they got some guys. I mean, this is it's a much better uh, uh, room of arsenal and weapons that they had from a year ago. So that's why Jared Goff needs to perform. I mean, they've given him everything that he needs. And let's talk about the offensive line because it's really good. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the Lions' offensive line. Is it a strength? Uh, sounds like it is. It is. And, I mean, Frank Rag now went to, has been to the Pro Bowl. Jonah Jackson's been to a Pro Bowl. Taylor Decker's a captain and, and, and always solid left tackle. Panay Sewell is one of the top rookies in the league last year at right tackle. Uh, they moved Logan Stenberg into right guard this past week. He didn't play great. He wasn't horrible. I know PFF dinged him a little bit but um, and didn't like his performance. But there's some depth there. It's really solid. The run blocking is excellent. And, you know, last week they went down the field with ease on Philly in the first on the first drive and just looked like they were going to mash the Eagles all day. And then the next three drives, a bunch of uh, a passing plays and drop balls, and it didn't make any sense. When they, uh, to me, I would be establishing that run. DeAndre Swift, I think, touched it 15 times and Williams 11. That's got to be more. I got to see DeAndre Swift this Sunday against uh, Washington. Um Go, get over 20 carries. That has to happen. He, he's, he's spectacular. 
Well, the Commanders run defense in their week one win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field. Not exactly great. Uh, So DeAndre Swift, if he's healthy enough to do well on Sunday afternoon, uh, may well do well on Sunday afternoon. The Lions second year head coach, Dan Campbell, uh, a star on HBO's Hard Knocks this summer. Clearly, he's a media darling. What's your opinion of Dan Campbell as an NFL head coach? Um, I, I still think the jury's out. I mean, as far as culture building and getting the team on the same page, he's done a fantastic job. I mean, the players love him. The media loves him. Uh, the team loves him. And he's a professional. I know he, the hard knocks thing where he was swearing every five minutes and, and he kind of has that, you know, uh, meathead approach that maybe some are turned off by. But when you take over for Matt Patricia, and you inherit such a poor culture and players down and out and, and veterans not sure if they want to stay. And then all these veterans re-sign and stay after one year and want to come back and play for him. That tells you something. The Lions have been, as you know, Al, notoriously horrible. Uh, one playoff win in 60-plus years. Um, they can never beat Washington. <laughs> it's like, so, so you look up and go, someone has to rescue this. Someone has to make them believe and that's what this guy's done. Now, when you ask me if, I, if, he, if he can coach, I don't know still. I mean, they won three games a year ago. Sometimes he had them in games and you went, wow, what a, ma- a magician. And other times you went, wait a minute, fourth and five, and that's the play he called? Or, wait a minute, he's kicking an onside kick now? Um, so there are some questionable decisions, but he's aggressive. He stayed consistent. Uh, the whole world knew he was onside kicking last week when, he, when they cut it to 10. 31-21, and then the Eagles went down and scored. So, um, I don't know. Jury's still out. It's his second year. Sometimes he looks like a rookie coach, but he's got a very good staff around him. And now they feel like they could be uh, you know, contending for a wild card, getting eight or nine wins. And I, I'm skeptical. I, I still think the roster needs work. The commander's general manager is Martin Mayhew. He was the Lions GM from September 2008 to November 2015. How is Martin Mayhew viewed by Lions fans? <laughs> Martin's a good guy. Uh, I always like Martin. I, I don't... Martin Mayhew, if you if you went down, if you went down to Ford Field on Sunday at noon and they were tailgating and you went to the fans and said, Martin Mayhew, what do you think? I think a lot of the fans will all say the same thing. Martin Mayhew drafted Eric Ebron instead of Aaron Donald. Huh. <laughs> and that will never... That is his legacy here. The Lions were in good shape. They were doing all right. Jim Caldwell was there. They were winning nine games. They had Indomitian Sioux still, but they whiffed years ago on that number 10 pick by taking a tight end that I don't even believe is still in the league. And Eric Ebron, the fans hated him. He dropped passes. He, he sounded off on Twitter at fans. And Aaron Donald was right there. Three picks later goes to the Rams and now is the best defensive player in the game. And that will always be, look, everybody whiffs on draft picks. Good GMs whiff on draft picks. Bill Belichick whiffs on draft picks all the time. But fans will always remember Martin's screw up there. Um, you know, look, he was also Matt Millen's right-hand man. And Matt Millen was the worst general manager in the history of sports. And then all of a sudden they hired Martin. And he was on Mel Millen's staff. And it's like, what are you doing? And he ended up doing okay. I mean, Martin Mayhew was not a horrible GM here. I mean, like I said, the hire of Caldwell and a few of the other moves he made. Um, he wanted to keep Indomitian Sue. That was not his call when they let Sue walk. 
Martin had nothing to do with that. He wanted Sue to stay. It's funny that you mentioned Jim Caldwell. He was interviewed by the Redskins in the 2014 offseason in the head coaching search that ultimately led to Jay Gruden being hired as Skins head coach. Caldwell as Lions head coach for four seasons, 2014 through 2017, had a regular season winning percentage of 563. Why exactly was he not brought back after four seasons? Because obviously things did not go so well uh, for his successor as Lions head coach, Matt Patricia. No, but you got to remember Bob Quinn was the general manager. He took over for Mayhew. And he kept Caldwell for one year, and they went 9-7. and seven. They lost in the first round to Seattle. And making the playoffs wasn't good enough for Quinn. Plus, Bob Quinn had his buddy waiting in the wings in New England, Matt Patricia. He also interviewed Mike Vrabel, who was also one of his buddies from New England, who obviously went to Tennessee. So he had a couple of friends waiting. He wanted to put his own furniture in his own house. Quinn did. And Caldwell was shown the door. And then Patricia came in and just destroyed the culture destroyed the locker room, and it was an unmitigated disaster, which, of course, led to the firing of Quinn and Patricia. So I don't think it was that Bob Quinn even thought deep down that Caldwell was a bad coach. I just think he felt like, we can be better than this. Uh, I inherited this guy, and I'm going to go get my guy. And uh, his guy was uh, uh, just absolutely atrocious. And so, uh, you know, that was that was basically the story there. I think Jim Caldwell did okay. I'm I'm a little bit surprised he hasn't gotten another chance, but again, Al, no Lions head coach when they're fired ever seems to find another job again as a head coach wow. anywhere else. That, that's a, a proven fact. Jim Schwartz, Marty Morningwig, Caldwell, all of them. When they're done, when they're done here, they don't ever be. They're never head coach again. <laughs> that's funny. There's been a saying in the Washington D.C. area for years for. Washington head coaches, and that is they all go through a reverse car wash because no one comes out of being a head coach for this team looking better. <laughs> you end up looking worse. But anyway, uh, one more for you. The prevailing reaction in Detroit to Matthew Stafford winning the Super Bowl last season in his first season as Los Angeles Rams quarterback off zero playoff wins as Lions quarterback from 2009 through 2020. That reaction was what? Well, it was obviously a lightning rod because there are there were the Stafford haters that said he never could win the big game, he never delivered anything here, they never won a playoff game, he was 0-3. And then there were those that said he was the Lions quarterback, he was never given any help, and good for him. There were actually t-shirts made uh, around town for the two weeks before the Super Bowl that said Detroit Rams, it had the Rams logo huh. and the Detroit colors blue and silver and then the Stafford number nine on the back and a bunch of people bought them there were people excited when he won the Super Bowl like almost like they won the Super Bowl and I had a little bit of a hard time with it because I said guys this is not he might he's not your quarterback anymore like get over it um you know but I think most fans rooted for him last year and were happy because they've never seen anything like that before I mean you know, last time the Lions were in the NFC title game, obviously they played Washington years ago, but many years ago, but they never they never witnessed or anything like it. So they hopped on the bandwagon and <laughs> that's what that was, you know. It was it's kind of fun but kind of weird in the same way. Yeah, I hear you on that. Matt Derry, the host of the Locked on Lions podcast. Uh, Matt, thanks a lot for your time. Al, really appreciate it and uh, anytime. All right, we are not done previewing Commanders at the Lions because up next, my rhyming keys for Commanders Lions as I will rhyme the path to victory 
for the Commanders at Detroit this Sunday afternoon. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, as we have discussed on the podcast, not since 2011 has Washington started an NFL regular season with back-to-back victories. As modest as a 2-0 start is, Washington hasn't had one since the 2011 regular season. That can change this Sunday afternoon. The 1-0 Commanders at the 0-1 Detroit Lions this Sunday afternoon at 1. How do the Commanders give us what we have not had since 2011, a 2-0 start for Washington in an NFL regular season. How do the Commanders pull off what would be just their second win in seven regular season games against the Lions since the start of the 2009 season? My friends, it is that time, the time to rhyme. It is time for Rhyming Keys, my keys to a Commander's victory in rhyming fashion. Oh, these rhymes, they are not meant to be good. Uh, They are only meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying for this segment, the worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so here we go. Hardcore analysis combined with scheduled fun, rhyming keys for a commander's win at the Lions. How do the commanders win this game? We now rhyme the ways. Rhyming key number one, this is for Commander's quarterback, Carson Wentz. Let's have some fun, as you and your original NFL team did in week one. Uh, Carson, of course, is coming off an overall good game in the Commander's 28-22 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field 
in week one. Uh, oh, the route to him ultimately having an overall good game was, uh, shall we say, rather circuitous. Uh, but he, for the game, went 27 of 41 for 313 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. He took just one sack. He quarterbacked a commander's offense that went seven of 10 on third downs, and he quarterbacked a game-winning 13-play, 90-yard touchdown drive that resulted in his third and eight 24-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Jahan Dodson with 146 left in the fourth quarter. But do you know who else had fun in week one? Carson Wentz's original NFL team, the Philadelphia Eagles. And their fun was had at the expense of Sunday's commander's opponent, the Lions. Uh, The Eagles won at the Lions 38-35 last Sunday afternoon. And the Eagles in that game had a field day against the Lions defense. Uh, The Eagles totaled 455 total net yards of offense. The Eagles went 10 of 17 on third downs. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts did only complete 18 of his 32 pass attempts, but he and receiver A.J. Brown had a good thing going. Brown finished with 10 receptions for 155 yards on 13 targets, and the Eagles ran the ball down the Lions' throats. The Eagles finished with 39 carries for 216 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, The Lions for the 2021 regular season finished 29th out of 32 NFL teams in total defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. The Lions for week one of the 2022 regular season were 28th out of 32 NFL teams in total defense per DVOA. The Lions defense does have some talent, but clearly things have not come together. Let us keep it that way. The Lions defense is a defense against which the commanders should be able to move the ball, including Carson Wentz doing well for a second straight game. Rhyming key number one for Carson Wentz, let's have some fun as you and your original NFL team did in week one. Rhyming key number two for commanders at the Lions, this is for the commander's defense. Pressure Jared Goff in order for him to be off. Uh, Lions quarterback Jared Goff, look, he can have his moments, but he overall isn't very good. Always remember this about Goff. He quarterbacked the Los Angeles Rams to the Super Bowl for the 2018 season, and yet the Rams very clearly wanted nothing to do with Goff moving forward after the 2020 season. Goff for the 2021 regular season ranked 24th at a 31 qualified quarterbacks in the NFL in ESPN's total QBR at 45.5. One spot behind, guess who? Washington quarterback Taylor Heineke, who came in 23rd in total QBR at 45.8. Pro Football Focus ranked off number 30 out of 32 quarterbacks in the NFL in deep passing. For the 2021 regular season, Heineke, by the way, was ranked number 31. But the point with Goff is that he's a quarterback by whom the commanders in no way should be picked apart. And Goff is a quarterback who is especially bad when under pressure. Jared Goff in the 2021 regular season for PFF had a clean pocket grade of 70.5 versus a pressured pocket grade of just 46. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. Uh, Goff for the 2020 regular season for PFF, a clean pocket grade of 88.2 versus a pressured pocket grade 
of just 32.1. The Commanders in the win over the Jags only had two sacks, but the Commanders also had 10 quarterback hits, and the Commanders generated pressure via the Blitz. They, per Sport Radar, had a Blitz percentage of 46.7%. That was the fourth highest Blitz percentage in the NFL in Week 1. Now, obviously, you ideally generate pressure without having to Blitz, and if the Commanders can do that on Sunday afternoon, more power to them. But the important thing here is to pressure Jared Goff, because while most quarterbacks are worse in pressured pockets as opposed to in clean pockets, the discrepancy for golf is especially drastic. Rhyming key number two, this for the commander's defense, pressure Jared Goff in order for him to be off. Rhyming key number three for commanders at the Lions, this also is for the commander's defense, display no rift in defending DeAndre Swift. Uh, Maybe the biggest negative for the commander's defense in the win over the Jags was the commander's run defense. There were actually quite a few things to like about the performance of the commander's defense in the win over the Jags. I mean, the commanders held the Jags to 3 of 12 on third downs, but the commander's run defense was not good. Uh, The commanders allowed Jags running backs Travis Etienne and James Robinson to combine for 15 carries for 113 yards and a touchdown, 7.53 yards per carry. And Robinson had a touchdown reception. Uh, Well, Lions running back DeAndre Swift in the Lions' week one home loss to the Eagles was outstanding. 15 carries for 144 yards and a touchdown, 9.6 yards per carry. His overall grade for pro football focus for the game was 82.3. That was the best overall PFF grade for any NFL running back in week one. Uh, Now, DeAndre Swift is dealing with an ankle injury. He did not practice on Wednesday. He also didn't practice on Thursday, although he on Thursday said that he'll be good to go for Sunday. We'll see. Also, by the way, Lions center Frank Ragnow on Thursday did not practice for a second consecutive day due to groin and foot ailments. And left tackle Taylor Decker on Thursday, a limited participant in practice due to a calf issue, he on Wednesday did not practice. But the commander's run defense clearly needs to be a lot better this Sunday afternoon as compared to what the run defense was last Sunday afternoon. Washington's run defense last season was very good. Washington finished the 2021 regular season number seven in the NFL in run defense per DVOA. Let's get back to that kind of run defense this Sunday afternoon. Rhyming key number three, this for the commander's defense, display no rift in defending DeAndre Swift. And one more. It is number four. Rhyming key number four for commanders at the Lions. This is for the entire commanders team. Everybody on the team, listen up. Come correct against the disrespect. As you probably have heard by now, the Lions for this game are favored. Uh, The Lions per win bet as of very early Friday morning are minus one. The Lions have been an underdog in each of their last 24 regular season games. Longest such streak in the NFL in the Super Bowl era. And that streak may well be ending. And courtesy of the commanders, the disrespect of our team 
knows no bounds. I mean, the Lions in the 2021 regular season went just 3-13-1. Washington went 7-10. The Lions in Week 1 lost. The Commanders in Week 1 won. And yet, the Lions against the Commanders in Week 2 are favored. If you are the Commanders, there's no way that you should take this as anything other than than a sign of outright disrespect, an outright slap in the face, a slap in the face on the level of Will Smith to Chris Rock, okay? This is classic bulletin board material for the commanders. Them being the opponent for the Lions for a game in which the Lions are the favorite for the first time in 25 regular season games. And so use the disrespect as motivation, as fuel for what would be A terrific win. Rhyming key number four, this for the entire Commanders team, come correct against the disrespect. All right, it is prediction time. So the Commanders are the underdog, plus one. I'm sorry, this line seems fishy. Like I said, Lions in the 2021 regular season, 3-13-1, Washington 7-10. The Lions in week one lost. The Commanders in Week 1 won, and yet the Lions against the Commanders in Week 2 are favored. The line is begging you to take the Commanders, and as you hopefully know by now, when Vegas, when the Sharps are begging you to do one thing, you do the opposite. And so from purely a contrarian, handicapping philosophy perspective, I will take the Lions minus the one. Final score, Lions 27 Commanders 23, and I will root like heck to be wrong. And let us now get to college football. Let us now get to Goldilocks, my previews and picks against the spreads for games played by Maryland, Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. Uh, Week one was brutal, 0-4, but week two was a bounce back week. 3-1. and Uh, No game for Navy this week. The midshipmen will next play at East Carolina on Saturday, September 24th. Uh, The mids could use the time off. Navy is 0-2, a season-opening 14-7 loss to Delaware and FCS school at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland on September 3rd, and then a 37-13 loss to Memphis at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, this past Saturday afternoon. Navy through week two was 125th out of 131 teams in the FBS in overall efficiency for ESPN. All right, here we go. Goldilocks for week three of the 2022 college football season. All point spreads are from WinBet and are as of very early Friday morning. Goldilocks game number one, Maryland home to SMU Saturday night at 7.30, the Terrapins are minus three. The Terps improved to 2-0 with a 56-21 win at Charlotte last Saturday afternoon. Uh, now, Charlotte is a bad team, but the Terps looked really good. Maryland totaled 617 total net yards of offense and did so over just 62 plays. That works out to 9.95 yards per play. Quarterback Talia Tungavailoa off a mixed performance in the Terps season opening 31-10 win over Buffalo at Maryland Stadium and College Park on September 3rd was excellent. He went 27 of 31 
for 391 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. And he had two carries for six yards and a touchdown. And he did all of this in not even playing for three full quarters. Uh, Talia set a single-game program record for highest completion percentage with a minimum of 15 pass attempts. His completion percentage for the game, 87.1. He averaged 12.61 yards per pass attempt. Uh, The Terps' rushing offense was good. 28 carries for 193 yards and three touchdowns. 6.89 yards per carry. And Maryland's defense was mostly good. Now, Charlotte did start third-string quarterback Xavier Williams. The Terps held him and another Charlotte quarterback, Trexler Ivy, to combined 292 yards on 51 pass attempts. That works out to just 5.73 yards per pass attempt. The Terps did allow Williams and Ivy to combine for three touchdown passes versus no interceptions, and the Terps did register just one sack the entire game, but the Terps held Charlotte to just 5 of 18 on third downs. Uh, SMU, the Mustangs, they are 2-0, and a 48-10 win at North Texas, and a 45-16 win over Lamar. SMU entering week three was number 15 in the FBS in offensive efficiency for ESPN. SMU quarterback Tanner Mordecai entering week three was number 11 among all qualified FBS quarterbacks in ESPN's total QBR at 86.9. This SMU passing attack is going to be a real test for Maryland's defense, and this is a Maryland defense that will remain without starting corner Tarheeb still due to a finger injury. Uh, He cut his finger in what head coach Mike Loxley called a, quote, freak accident, end quote, and underwent surgery to repair a tendon and uh, still is out for Saturday against SMU. The public is heavily on Maryland, and yet the line for this game has moved in favor of Maryland. Uh, We call that reverse line movement, an indication of sharp money coming in on SMU. I went to Maryland. I don't like doing this, but you bet with your head, not your heart. Give me SMU plus three. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Yes, thank you, Snoop Dogg. Goldilocks game number two, Virginia Tech home to Wofford and FCS school Saturday at 11 a.m. The Hokies are minus 38. Good win for Tech last Saturday night. Hokies improved to 1-1 overall and 1-0 in the ACC. A 27-10 victory over Boston College at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia. The first win for Brent Pry. As Tech head coach, Uh, the Hokies defense was dominant. Uh, The Hokies held Boston College to just 10 points, just 155 total net yards of offense, just 2.58 yards per play, and just 2 of 15 on third downs. Uh, Hokies held BC quarterback Phil Jerkovic to just 15 of 28 passing for just 135 yards, a touchdown, and an interception, and sacked him five times. Uh, Hokies defensive lineman Tywin Garbett had a dominant performance. He finished with a sack, a forced fumble, three tackles for loss, and four quarterback hurries. Uh, Tech's new starting quarterback, the Marshall transfer, Grant Wells, he was better off a really bad performance in the Hokies season opening 2017 loss at Old Dominion on September 2nd. Uh, Wells in this win over BC, 16-25, one touchdown pass versus no interceptions, took just one sack. He did, however, only throw for 140 yards, and he did quarterback a Hokies offense that went just 5-17 of 17 
on third downs. But Wells did come up big on a third quarter drive that took place with the Hokies lead. Having been cut to 17-10, he led a nine-play, 78-yard drive that resulted in a late third quarter, third and goal, two-yard shotgun play action, touchdown pass to receiver Caleb Smith. And also on the drive was a Wells second and 10, 43-yard shotgun completion to Smith, who made a terrific one-arm catch on a deep ball down the right sideline. Uh, the Wofford Terriers are 0-2, and get this, have yet to score a single point. <laughs> 31-0 loss at Chattanooga, 26-0 home loss to Elon. So not only is Wofford an FCS team, but Wofford is a bad FCS team. Wofford is literally a scoreless FCS team. The Hokies are flawed, okay? But if they can't beat this bad Wofford team by at least 38 points, what the heck are we doing here? Give me Tech minus the 38. Make money, money, make money, money, money. And Goldilocks game number three, Virginia home to Old Dominion Saturday afternoon at two. The Cavaliers are minus nine. What if ODU in the first month of the season beats both Virginia Tech and Virginia? That could happen. Uh, the Cavaliers are not good. Uh, they fell to one and one, a 24-3 loss at Illinois last Saturday. This was off a season opening 34-17 win over Richmond and FCS school at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, Virginia on September 3rd. But the Cavs in that game actually lost the second half 7-6. Uh, the Wahoos offense in the loss at Illinois was horrendous. The Hoos totaled just 222 total net yards of offense. The Hoos went 1 of 16 on third downs. Quarterback Brennan Armstrong had a woeful game. He completed just 13 of his 32 pass attempts. That works out to a completion percentage of just 40.6. He, over his 32 pass attempts, threw for just 180 yards. That works out to a yards per pass attempt of just 5.63. He had no touchdown passes versus two interceptions. He took five sacks, and he had minimal impact as a runner. Now, look, this wasn't all on him. Virginia's offensive line was not good, uh, and that got to Armstrong. Uh, Virginia's running game was not good. Running backs Paris Jones, Mike Collins, and Xavier Brown combined for 16 carries for just 47 yards, 2.94 yards per carry. Uh, UVA's defense in the loss at Illinois wasn't terrible, but the Cavs did get run over by running back Chase Brown, who had 20 carries for 146 yards, 7.3 yards per carry. Uh, the Hoos did hold Illinois to just 5 of 14 on third downs and did only allow 17 true points as Illinois scored a first quarter touchdown on a fumble return for a touchdown off a lost fumble by receiver Billy Kemp the fourth on a punt return on which he ran backwards inside the Virginia 10 and then lost the football. Uh, the Monarchs of Old Dominion, they are 1-1. One one. That 2017 win over Virginia Tech on September 2nd, but then a 39-21 loss at East Carolina last Saturday. ODU in that game got outgained 531 to 290, went just one of eight on third downs as compared to ECU going at 10 of 19 on third downs. Uh, the public is all over Old Dominion. UVA may win, but I don't trust the Who's to cover. Give me ODU plus the nine. Make money, money, make money, money, money.
All right, Snoop. So to review, SMU plus three, Virginia Tech minus 38, and Old Dominion plus nine, your Goldilocks for week three of the 2022 college football season. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 402, uh, will be a Commander's Post Game Show installment of the podcast. In depth reaction to and analysis of whatever happens in their game at the Detroit Lions this Sunday afternoon at 1. Also on Monday's show, we'll talk plenty of college football as we on Saturday have Maryland, Virginia Tech, and Virginia in action. As we just discussed, Maryland home to SMU Saturday night at 7.30. Virginia Tech home to Wofford Saturday at 11 a.m. Virginia home to Old Dominion Saturday afternoon at 2. And I on Monday's show will talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's this weekend. Have a three-game series against the Miami Marlins at Nationals Park. The O's this weekend have a three-game series at the Toronto Blue Jays. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have a great Saturday and Sunday. And I'll talk to you on Monday. Can I follow up on Jamin Davis real quick? Is, is there anything you'd like to, to see more of? No, nah, I don't. I, I, I said plenty. I gave you guys plenty there. I mean, he's got to play better. He didn't play very well last week. I know he expects to play better. So, um, yeah, I mean, he'll be challenged to play better. Sounds like you've got confidence that this offseason you saw a number of him. I, I saw a lot of good things this offseason and, and kind of surprised me that he didn't play better in the opener. Jack, respectfully, you, you don't really ever call out players with us in terms of it. Right. Why, I guess, with, did you feel like you reached a point where like, you kind of need this public No, no. No, you guys can make it, whatever you want to make it. I said what I had to say. Um, I'm trying to be honest. Um, I'm not burying a guy. I'm being fair. I think he's worked really hard. I think he prepared to play better than he did in the opener. We expect him to play better going forward.